You can turn over there. And uh, we've been talking about surviving, survival, and uh, we're going to talk about that tonight and then conclude that topic on Sunday, and then we'll move on to something else. But tonight we're going to look at Genesis, the 41st chapter, and we're going to talk about save and survive. Save and survive. Save and survive. You know, so often preachers talk about tithing and giving, and that's certainly biblical. We talked about that a few weeks ago, but I try to balance that message out with talking about hard work and budgeting, hard work and budgeting. Actually, I'd probably say more about hard work and budgeting than tithing and giving. And in your budget, saving, there ought to be savings. You ought to save, if at all possible, and have that built into your budget, a certain amount each month that you save. Um, we're going to see a, tonight uh, an amount that Joseph saved. Uh, somebody asked me, how much should I save in my budget? Well, you know, I, I heard a preacher say this years ago, and it's, I liked it. He said, uh, he said uh, make all you can, give all you can, and save all you can. That's a pretty good way to go, I think. And so in your budget, if at all possible, have an amount in there each month that you save. Because if you're going to survive, you're going to need to save. Wouldn't it be nice in these, you know, tough economic times, if you had a bunch of money saved up? Wouldn't that be wonderful? How many like to have a few hundred thousand saved up? How many, how, many, how many think that'd be, how many like to have half a million dollars saved up? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wonderful? And, uh, you know, that'd sure come in handy if you got a pink slip, wouldn't it? You know, and you were given, you know, two weeks before they laid you off, if you had a few hundred thousand in the bank saved up, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, uh, I remember when uh, I was about 21, 22 years old. There were a couple of fellows who at that time, I guess, when I was in my early 20s, I guess they were probably 20, 25 years older than me, 20, 25 years, give or take, older than me. Now I'm just a young 22-year-old boy. And I remember uh, we, I was going to go buy something. I can't even remember what it was now. And both of them, they said, you know, well, get, get the more expensive one. And I said, well, I don't need the more expensive one. I'm going to get this one that's a little less expensive, and I'm going to save that, that, that extra money. And both of them, I remember both of them laughing at me, making fun of me, and saying, oh, you know, you're just so tight. You're just so tight. You know, you know what I mean by tight? You're just so tight. and You're just so tight. You know, get the, go ahead, spend it, spend it. What are you saving it for? Well, now, all these years have come and gone. And both of them ought to be retired. I said they ought to be retired. They can't retire. In their 70s. They can't retire. They don't have the money. They can't retire. They've got to work, keep working into their 70s. You know, they want to retire. They can't retire. Now, if they would have, if they would have saved back years ago, they could retire now. And they're not laughing at me anymore. They were laughing at me back then. They ain't laughing at me anymore. Um, I've been saving over all these years. How about you? Now, Joseph, 
in the Old Testament is perhaps the best example of saving to survive. Saving to survive. Now, of course, I hope you found Genesis 41. If you haven't, I'll give you a few more moments to, to find it. But he was the favorite son of his father. Remember that? And uh, his father gave him something. Does anybody know what his father gave him? Coat of many colors. Remember that? And uh, he had dreams. Joseph had dreams which he interpreted, interpreted accurately to his brothers and how his brothers were going to bow down to him one day and all of that. And uh, You know, that made his brothers upset and I can see where, where it would make his brothers upset. Maybe Joseph could have been a little more tactful in the way he shared those dreams. And even had a you know, dream that his mom, and, his mom and dad would bow down to him. And it all came to pass in the process of time. But it made his brothers upset. Remember his brothers, does anybody know what his brothers were going to do to him? Kill him. And one of them talked him out of it, so they put him somewhere. Does anybody know where they put him? In a pit. That's good. And then uh, he's in a pit, and then in the process of time they sold him into into slavery. You've got to fill in the blank here going tonight. And uh, eventually he wound up in the captain of the guard's house. Who was that captain? Potiphar. 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 Aren't you glad you're not named Potiphar? And uh, something happened to him. Now, 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 did Joseph have a good attitude? He had a good attitude and it always rose him to the top, didn't it? And uh, he... he became in charge of Potiphar's house. And remember, Potiphar's wife made some uh, sexual advances toward Joseph. And remember, Joseph was a real man of God, and he refrained and, and to the point that he ran out of the house, didn't he? Didn't he run out of the house? That's a real man of God. And uh, he got out of there. And then she lied on him, didn't she? And it made Potiphar upset. And where did Joseph go from Potiphar's house? Went to prison, didn't he? Didn't he go to prison? And did he have a good attitude there? And did that raise him to the top again? And he wound up running to prison, didn't he? And remember there were two fellows in there. Worked for the Pharaoh. Pharaoh was mad. He had everybody in jail. The, book, the, uh, uh, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. He had everybody in jail. But of the, who were the two guys that, that had dreams that worked for the Pharaoh and Joseph interpreted those dreams? Does anybody know the, the two positions they held? The, the butler and the baker, right. And remember, Joseph interpreted the dreams, didn't he? He interpreted the dreams and, uh, and interpreted them accurately. And... Uh, Remember which one was which one was put to death? Does anybody know which one was put to death? The baker was put to death, and then the butler the butler promised Joseph that when he got out he'd tell the Pharaoh about him. Is that right? Now is, is that right? And uh, then when the uh, butler got out, he forgot about Joseph, didn't he? Yeah. How many's ever been forgotten before? It's no fun to be forgotten, is it? And then in the process of time, Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream and he didn't know how to interpret it. Remember that? And the butler finally remembered Joseph and told Pharaoh about him. And the Pharaoh called Joseph up to interpret the dream. Let's go here to Genesis 41. 
We're going to just read several scriptures here. Start in verse 1. Then it came to pass. It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Now the Pharaoh, he's the king of Egypt, you know. He's having a dream and he's standing by the river in his dream. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they uh, fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt. Does anybody know what gaunt means? Skinny, extremely skinny. And stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. And then he went back to sleep and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up onto one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east winds, sprung up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Anybody ever have a dream like that? Anybody, have, anybody ever have weird dreams besides me? And uh, I always dream that I've got to hit this golf ball, and they're making me tee up, and there's a, there's a wall right behind me, and I can't get a full backswing. That's, that's a horrible dream. Somebody asked me one time, what spiritual significance does that have? Nothing, it's just a silly dream. Any, silly dream. And uh, anyway, does anybody have silly dreams beside me? Okay, okay. Um, I will tell you this. You know the Lord at times, once in a blue moon, He'll speak to us through a dream. Did you know that? But do you know if the Lord's in it, you'll know, you'll, you'll have a knowing on the inside what He's trying to get across to you. If you don't have a knowing on the inside, then just throw it out as a silly dream. That'll help you right there. Look at verse 8. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. That's the Pharaoh. He's, he's troubled by these dreams. And he sent and called for all the, magic, the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for the Pharaoh. You know, even when the, you know, when the devil's crowd can't, uh, can't come through for you, there'll be a man of God. Amen? There'll be, be a man of God. Notice verse 9. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man, that's Joseph, uh, with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. He told, and he told And we told him... And he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office and he hanged the other guy. Now, notice verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. Well, he wanted to look decent before he went before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, now notice Pharaoh's telling Joseph, I had a dream and there was no one who could interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me, God will, uh, it is not in me, God will give Pharaoh 
an answer of peace. You see, there's another sign of a man of God right there. Joseph is saying, hey, it's not me, it's God. You know, there's been hundreds of people healed of various and sundry things in this ministry, and I hadn't healed a one of them. God did it. Now, notice verse 17. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and ugly and gaunt. What does gaunt mean again? Skinny. Uh, Notice, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt or the skinny and ugly cows ate up, notice, ate up the first seven. The fat cows. They got eaten up by the skinny ones. Then they, uh, and when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly uh, as at the beginning, so I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. See, the devil's crowd will come up short. But there'll be a man of God. Amen? They can hear from God. Then, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, now notice, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. In other words, they, they have the same meaning. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Do you know that, the, that God will show us? God will show men and women of God before he does something in the earth. Do you know that? Now notice verse 26. The seven good cows are seven years. See those good cows represented seven years. And the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. See those, those, those heads of grain and the cows were seven years. Verse 27. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. Okay, You know what a famine is, don't you? Hard economic times like what we have now, only what they had was a lot worse than what we've got. But notice here, verse 28, this is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. So the Lord was telling Pharaoh there's going to be seven wonderful years. Notice that, seven years of great plenty. But after them, seven years of famine will arise. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. Aren't you glad that God will show us things to come? How many of you know, how many were here when the Spirit of God told us 18 months before the Great Recession began, He told us that was going to happen? How many of you are here that day? See, there's a God. He sits in the far sides of the north. He's real. Did you hear me? I said He's real. 
And He cares about us. He cares enough about us to warn us and tell us the things to come. Amen? And uh, interesting, after the, we got into this great recession for a while, I had several people come and say, Pastor, we, we, we heard you prophesy that, but boy, what you said really did come to pass. <laughs> well, we need to listen to the Spirit of God, don't we? You know, if you don't, if you don't esteem what the Holy Ghost is saying, He won't speak to you very much. Did you hear me? We need, we need to esteem Him. We need to listen to what it is the Spirit of God saying to us. Amen? Now notice here, He's saying there's going to be seven good years and then seven bad years. Look at verse 32. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice. And he's going to tell us why he had it twice. Because the thing is established by God... And God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth. Now, does anybody know what percent one-fifth is? Twenty percent. Twenty percent. Twenty percent. So they're going to save twenty percent. During these seven good years, they're going to save 20% of everything that, that they get. They're going, to, they're going to save it. Why are they going to save it? Because there's seven bad years coming. And they're going to be really bad years. What's Joseph telling the Pharaoh to do? To save. If you're going to survive, one thing you're going to have to do as best you can is you're going to need to save. You're going to need to save. Yeah, but I can only save a nickel a week. Well... Better to have a nickel than not. You know one thing I trained myself to do as a young boy? Is anytime, even if I see a penny, I always step over and bend over and pick it up, put it in my pocket. I always, I've always done, I'll never walk by. I've already seen people, they'll see a penny on the ground, they'll just walk by. And I've asked some of them, why don't you pick that up? Ah, oh, well, it's just a penny. Well... I train myself, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that like to have a, have a penny. You know that? Well, if you're not faithful in that which is least, you won't be faithful in much. I don't know, I just trained myself. I, I, you know, I, well, it's just a penny. Well, pick it up and throw it in the offering basket. Give it to the Lord. Amen? If you don't want to keep it yourself. Um... What would you do, this isn't my notes, but what would you do if you were walking out somewhere and you found, uh, you found somebody's wallet and it had $800 in it and their, and, their, and their ID was in there? What would you do? What would you do? This is, a, this, is a, this is a test to see if we're really Christians now. What would you do? You'd call the authorities, wouldn't you? Or would you call them? You'd do one or the other, wouldn't you? Probably call them first, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You call them. How many, how many take the money out and then call them and say, hey, I just found a wallet, but there wasn't any money in it. Now, you wouldn't do that, would you? Huh? Now, if you're really saved, you wouldn't do that. Is that right? How many of you know Christians don't steal? Is that right? Amen. You know, uh, that could be a test for you right there. God might have, have a whole bunch lined up for you to see if he can trust you, you find somebody's wallet with, with $800 or $80 or whatever, do the right thing. Call that person on the phone or turn it over to the authorities. Amen? You know, you be honest in that. God might make a millionaire out of you one day. 
if he can't trust you with 80 or 80 or 800 bucks, he won't be able to trust you with the true, the, the big stuff. Can you say amen? So they're going to collect, what was one-fifth again? 20% of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a what? As a what? What, what, is, it? what is it? A what? A reserve. That's verse 36, a reserve. See, that's a saving, something sa savings. You youngsters, get yourself, if nothing else, get a piggy bank and just start saving, saving nickels and dimes. You know, one thing I, I do, I have it right now over at my house. When I come in, like, well, right now I just have a key in my pocket, but how many of you have loose change? And, and you know what? I go in and I start throwing the loose change in, in a, in a like, little holder, a little, little container. How many does that besides me? And you know, I'll let that go on sometimes six, eight, ten months, a year. And I've already counted it up. And one time I counted it up, it was over $200 in there. You know, little things add up, won't they? So have a reserve, you know, if it's, just, if it's just something like that. Just do something. You know, if we want God to bless something, we need to have something for Him to bless. Is that right? Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Did, 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 did Pharaoh recognize that Joseph had the Spirit of God? Yeah. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. Well, here it is again. Was Joseph faithful? He, he, was, he was faithful in Potiphar's house, wasn't he? He was faithful in, in, in the prison, wasn't he? Now all of a sudden he's second in command in Egypt. See what a good attitude will do for you? A good attitude will rise you to the top. You hear me? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, well, verse 39, we read that, verse 40, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. See that good attitude rose him to the top. Let's just read on here for a little bit longer before we close. Look at verse 41. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand. He clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and he had, and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. Now you know that was a good chariot. I tell you what, you have a good attitude and you, when you're, in the, when you're in the prison, when you're in the pit, when you're in, the, you know, in Potiphar's house, just keep a good attitude and eventually God will bless you, won't he? And now he's riding. Here's a man that was in prison and just, in, just you know what a, difference, what a difference a day can make. I mean, you know, God can take you from a prison to second in command if he, if he wants to, if you'll have a good attitude. And look at verse 43. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Well, that's a position of power, isn't it? And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Are you glad you're not named that? Zaphna Paniah. 
You know what that means? Revealer of secrets. And he gave him as a wife, so he has a wife and so on. That's, that's, and I'm glad, that I, I'm glad my wife's name is Diane. Not, what, how do you say that? I do what? The daughter of Poe, yeah. My goodness. Boy, they had some names, didn't they? Verse 46, Joseph was, now look at this, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph, that, I mean, 30 years old, wow. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in the, now look at this, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly, so he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the, notice, and laid up the food in the cities and laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until, until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. Now, for the sake of time, skip down to verse 53. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended. So now the plentiful years are over. And the seven years of famine be began to come. And Joseph, as Joseph had said, the famine was in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt there was bread. Now why was there bread? Because Joseph did what? He had them saved, didn't he? He had them saved. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. Well, Joseph had it saved up, didn't he? In verse 56, the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the what? He opened all the what? The storehouses. That's the place of reservoir. That's the place of storage. That's the savings. You see where they saved. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. See, here's a man who saved. And not only did he survive, but a whole lot of people survived. And eventually, if you read on... His brothers came, remember his brothers came, and then eventually his, the rest of his family, and he was able to help them all. And if it wasn't for him, Israel would not have survived. God used him to save so Israel could survive. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now let's close by going to Luke, the 12th chapter, and the 16th verse. We'll close right here. But I want you to look at this. You know, there's a difference between saving and hoarding. Anybody ever hear of hoard, somebody that hoards things? I saw a show not long ago, it was on television, and they had, they were, they had some people that hoarded things. And I mean, you looked at their house, they had a big house, you couldn't walk through it. Anybody ever, did you see that show? You couldn't walk through the thing. They had a big house, you couldn't walk through it. Anyway, some, some organization fella came in to help, and they took all the stuff that they had hoarded because, I mean, there was mold growing everywhere. I mean, they had stuff stacked. The lady, they deemed her basement, that was a, it was, a, it was a, a, a zone where you shouldn't even go down there and breathe the air because there was so much junk that she had. And they took all the stuff out and they filled up like these big warehouses with all the stuff. Did anybody see that? And, uh, and then they redid her house and all of that. And the lady came back in and she was amazed 
at, at what had happened. Well, it was she couldn't get rid of anything, and so she just hoarded it up. You know, there's a difference between saving and hoarding things up. I have a little problem with this in the area of, of clothes. You know, I'll have a piece of clothes that I have worn, you know, and, and maybe I haven't worn it now in, in a couple of years, maybe three, four, five years, maybe six, seven years, and, 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 and I'm getting ready to give it away. And you know what goes through my head? Uh, what if I uh, need this? But I hadn't worn it in seven or eight years. I think there's some, somebody said if you haven't worn something in like a, a two years or something, you need to go ahead and, and give it away, pass it on. And so every once in a while, I'll just go through and just, you know, because if you haven't worn it, you might as well, you know, you get, there's some folks that would just love to have something that's, you know, wouldn't it be better to bless somebody with it and just have it hanging there? You know? Anyway, look at this, Luke 12, 16. Jesus spoke a parable to the people saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Now his ground is yielding plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I, listen how many times the word I comes up here. He had the eye disease. He's thinking about himself. He said, he said there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. So, I mean, in one sense, he, he, he was a saver, but, but he was just storing it up. You, you'll see in a minute that this isn't a good thing, what he's doing. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, see, what does he say? Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. See, he's just concerned about himself. What was the motive behind Joseph saving? So that, yeah, so he'd have it, have, have, have be blessed. But didn't Joseph bless a whole bunch of people? See, if you want to walk in true prosperity at the hand of God, you have to get out beyond yourself. Amen. And you have to have a plan to, to, there for you and your family, but also in the blessing of God, you're there to help somebody else. Did you hear me? You're there to help somebody else. And see, this guy, Joseph, Joseph, was, he had other people on his mind, you know. But this guy's just thinking about himself. He said, let's read, ver let's read verse 18 again. He said, this I will do. I'll pull, pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, you don't want God calling you a fool. You know, the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. That's why when people say there is no God, I, I just won't argue with them. Because they've identified themselves as a fool. Is that right? Why do you want to stand there and argue with a fool? And God called him fool. You don't want God calling you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So now listen what Jesus said. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not what? Rich toward God. Do you know you can have a whole lot of money in the bank and not be rich toward God? And all your money really isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. It's just temporal. 
Well, we need to be rich toward God, don't we? What's, what's your first step in being rich toward God? Realizing that in and of yourself, you're nothing and you need Jesus. Is that right? And then you, you repent of your sins, you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's your first step toward God. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Receiving Jesus, that's your first step to be enriched toward God. And then from there, you enact the principles of the Bible, and God will uh, bless you, and He'll bless you so that you can be a blessing to your family and also to others. Can you say amen? So be a saver. Save, but don't be a hoarder. You know what I mean by that. And, and don't just you know, have the attitude like this guy. Be like Joseph. I'm going to save so that you know, bad times hit. I can make it through. My family can make it through. And I can help the guy next door. Be like Joseph. But don't be like this guy where you're just hoarding it up for yourself and it's all about you. It, it, you know, we need to have other people on our mind. Is that right? So, say, so let's say, say it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make all I can. I'll give all I can. And I'll save all I can. Amen. And be a saver. I know we're into this economic times that it's tough, but I'm telling you what, you might say, well, we're already into this recession and I haven't been saving and it's too late. No, it's never too late to start. Is that right? So if you haven't been saving, start today. Amen. Praise God. All right. Did you get anything out of this? Well, praise the Lord. All right. Ushers come. If uh, you need an envelope, raise your hand real high or ushers will get you one if you're giving cash.